Today's episode is presented by Fender Guitars, makers of fine guitars such as the JA90 Jim Adkins Signature Telecaster. The model that you can buy in stores is identical to what I play and have played for maybe 11 years now. 12 years, geez. Except, of course, I put gauge 13 strings on. That's an aftermarket thing. Rockin'. Today I'm talking with Mark Hoppus. I'm chopping it up with Hoppus. Mark has a gig working in... <laughs> what the f*** does Mark do? Mark and his band Blink-182 have always been kind to us. They've always championed us. Evangelized the gospel of Jimmy Eat World to whoever would listen, and for that we're very grateful. I thought it'd be fun to get Mark's perspective on his craft. My conversation with Mark happened on June 1st of 2020. Well, we made it, finally. We're here, finally. We're here, we're doing it. Awesome, thanks a lot for um, taking the time to hang out with me today. Always, always good to it's see nice you. To, it's nice to see people. Yes. <laughs> people are good. It's, it's always nice. I just, I, just, I just got these. This is my new look. Oh, I got these a couple years ago. They make all the difference. I love it. But it's weird because like the more I wear these, the more I think my eyes want to wear them. Yeah. So it's like the, the muscle, they get like relaxed and like, ah, oh, I can see things. And then I take them off and it's like, I feel like, I feel super blind. Yeah. Now. Mine, as soon as I got my glasses, my eyes just went to shit. <laughs> they did for real. Like they, they actually got worse yeah. because your eyes, and they told me this, uh, your eyes are going to adjust to the glasses and they'll get used to that. And then you'll need to get, once you start the glasses, it's kind of a race downhill after that it's like uh the the urban legend that you gotta when you start shaving then it grows in twice as exactly. fast and then you gotta hold off and that's why like 17 year olds have like the worst mustaches ever because they're trying to <laughs> no that's because they're trying to buy beer they're trying to look older so they can buy beer exactly because they're holding off your on little shaving. peachy thing here is not convincing me you're 21 no <laughs> <laughs> man so is that your uh, is that your dojo there? This is yeah. I'm in my studio right now, uh, and we've done work here, and I love it. It's my little uh, I don't know escape. You know, I've been able to um, go from my house to my car to here to my car to home, and I don't really run into anyone. Right. So it's kind of like it's you know, and this is sort of what I would do anyway. It's just that someone pushed the fast forward button a year Yeah, from, from where we were at in our like whole cycle of things. So you guys recording, uh, you know, always doing something, mm -hmm. but it's not, but it's not always that, it, that things get fleshed out into what would be song. Yeah. You know, there's like tons of scraps, tons of ideas for things. And, um, it's kind of frustrating for the other guys because I will just label them as dates. Uh huh. Because I don't know what I'm doing. I'll open up a Pro Tools session and I'll like you know six one twenty. Yeah. Like here's here. I don't know what's gonna happen. I'm just gonna pick up my guitar or I'll sit sit down behind the drums or I'll 
you know, make a a, a tempo at random and, and plug in a keyboard. Yeah. I don't know. And then, and so like, I'm like, Hey guys, check out my, here's, here's some rough ideas I've been working on. And it's just like, it looks like an Aphex twin album. Cause this is all <laughs> like the most, all like the most like random, like numbers for ideas. So it's like, we're trying to like debate about like uh, what songs we work on. And it's just frustrating for everybody trying to remember what, what numbers match up with what vibe of an idea. Yeah. Because I, I I hesitate to title things because then it ends up like uh, kind of biasing. Biasing is that a word? I think so. It, it, it creates a bias yes. towards like what what you want to turn it into in a way, and then sometimes that temporary name is just what stays. Punk rock song so, three. Exactly. Exactly. I actually have a whole series of ideas that were like rock song. Yeah. <laughs> rock song eleven. Uh huh. Rock song one, and sometimes like. Yeah, sometimes that's it stays until we have until we're mastering and I like okay, dude, it's time. It needs a real title. <laughs> and I have some friends that go out of their way just to make their their working titles like the most foul things they can think of so they have to change it. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, so I thought that like at first I would just dive in. It seemed like I was pretty motivated. Mm-hmm. And I just dove in. And I was like um I, you know, this is familiar. I know what to do, you know, so I just started working on stuff and I like got got like maybe a week and a half into it and then started losing losing steam exponentially in a way. And um, that's when I thought that's when I got the idea to do this, like talk to people I know and kind of pick their brain on on songwriting and like just their experience with a creative process in general, because that's something I mean, I'm fascinated by it. Everyone has a different way of working, Um, you know, musicians, producers collaborators everybody has a different way and different skill set and different like things that they bring in and um you know from my own experience working with like producers and other people uh it just adds to your wealth of knowledge when you run into a puzzle later on uh you kind of summon the knowledge of like this you kind of invoke the spirit of all those people you've worked with and like kind of think like how would they Okay, you know what would Trombino do right now, or like right. what would what would Gil Norton do right now? Like I don't, you know, like and then you have that. Oh yeah, he would do this. Let's try that, and then maybe it leads to something. Maybe it doesn't, but like it continues the momentum. Mm-hmm. Do you pick up stuff like that from? I, I think like, I mean, I don't know how. I don't know exactly how your guys' process works, but I imagine that like you have a a kind of wealth of people that that you've been around that that you can draw upon in a similar way. Yeah, when we. When Blink was recording with, uh, well, we worked with Chambino for our first major label album, and he's awesome. He was super cool. We worked with him because you guys had worked with him, and we loved the way that your guys' albums sound. And, quit uh, copying us. What? <laughs> Dude, quit copying us, I man. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's very true, though. That's the thing is so much of Blink-182 <laughs> is influenced by Jimmy World. Chambino was awesome, but we only worked with him for one album, and it was a very short time. Uh, then we started working with Jerry Finn, and we had time in the studio and, a, and an actual budget and things like that. He taught us so much. I mean, I learned everything that I know about recording and and uh, producing from Jerry Finn. And now we work with John Feldman and a bunch of other producers as well. And it's kind of changed. The process has changed over the years. When we first started out, obviously, we couldn't afford studio time, so we had to have everything written and planned out before we went into the studio so we could set up the drum kit and you could record every single song on drums and then go back and do bass and then guitar. And so everything had to be ready when you went in. So we did that on Cheshire Cat, Dude Ranch, 
pretty much Enema of the State and um, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. And then when we got to the Untitled record, we were like, well, we don't have any songs written. We just want to go into a studio and start throwing ideas around and catching things and seeing what happens. And that was a great education for the three of us. Uh, we really spent time breaking songs down and doing things weird and taking them back and and agonizing over every single element of a song. We Before up, you started that, did you have like your own, were you kind of messing around with your own space or were you kind of like... No, we, like rented, coming up with we rented a family's house in San Diego in Rancho Santa Fe. We rented a family. And literally it was so kind and trusting of them. They just packed up their clothes and left everything. I mean, there's like pictures of the family on the walls. There's their, you know, personal items, uh, photos, like, you know, it was just like we'd broken into somebody's house and set up a studio there. We moved in a, you know, uh, a desk and a studer machine and like everything. We moved in racks and racks of outboard gear. We were there for six months. Then when our lease was up there, we moved to another studio and then another studio in San Diego and then ended up in Conway in L.A. for a number of months. The record took us a year to write and ended up costing uh, like a million dollars, which is <laughs> which was not unheard of back then, but is just ridiculous now. Uh, and But I, I learned a lot from that. Just kind of after that, for like neighborhoods and stuff, we would just um, work out of our own spaces. And again, we're going in with no songs written uh, and just kind of writing in a day. Like, like now that we work with John Feldman and other producers like that, we'll go in and be like, all right, um, pick up a guitar. How about just kind of noodle with other people in the room? Like, oh, that sounds cool. Let's take that. Okay, let's write a chorus. And then we kind of just structure a song like that. I know that feeling. It's like we'll be in band practice because we're rehearsing for a tour or something. And then Rick will just be like, I, he won't even be paying attention to what he's doing. And I'll, be, and I'll, he'll play something. And in my mind, I'll be thinking of like, like some, like a counterpart to that will just jump in my head. I'm like, dude, wait, wait, do that again. Do that again. Right. And then like, hopefully he remembers what he was doing <laughs> and he can do it again so I can record it real quick and then get my idea down. Uh huh. It's, 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 it's a real, it's a real sort of like, tricky balance of of being present and then also like getting out of your own way yeah to let the ideas flow because you want to be need to be present so you can respond to the to the stimuli to the other music that's coming in but you can't you have to be out of your own way so you're, like the self-censorship doesn't inhibit the exploration of whatever idea it is you're trying to develop yeah entirely um, that's the biggest problem for me is getting out of my own way and trying to silence the voice that's always telling me you suck at this you don't write good songs your lyrics are shitty like all those like things that are in your head going no this song will never work just stop just let's just call it so for me the process starts hey that's a cool idea let's follow that wait is that a good idea oh my god this idea sucks oh wait there's something cool in there oh wait i really like this i love this song and then wake up the next day and do it all again yeah <laughs> <laughs> I think there's if if you're not experiencing some level of crippling self doubt, you're just not doing it right. Yeah. So do you have a lot of um, notes? Do you have a lot of uh, voice notes? Yeah, I use voice notes all the time. Uh huh. And uh, you know, sometimes I have no idea what it is I'm humming and snapping to. You know, the rest of the the rest of the symphony is elusive. Yeah. When I'm when I. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, what was it? <laughs> I know. I got out of bed at three in the morning to because I had to do that. Yeah, exactly. Like, what's, you know, Sweetness was a song, actually. 
that I got out of bed for and and had to like document because it just sort of jumped in my mind the idea of like the the melody for the chorus or like na 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 just like that too. It's funny how different ways of six of um of connecting the dots produces a reward in your mind, and then you then like you you're chasing that again. Yeah, in a way, like like um like sometimes I wonder about um you know like all like like whole life kind of things in a in a weird way. What do you mean? Like you're um. Like you experience something, um, like like songwriters who feel like they have to be miserable to create something. Oh right. You know, here's this thing. Here's this thing that's obviously you're experiencing something obviously not healthy, but you explore it. You produce art. Art gets validation. Val- okay, that's a reward. Maybe yeah. I need to be miserable to keep. Maybe <laughs> I don't. How do I know? Like I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was that was that was sort of an interesting thing for me. Because like when I was 36, I made a decision to kind of like do some work on myself mm-hmm. and and change things. And then, uh, what did you want to change? Have, Can I ask what you wanted to change? Well, I wanted to quit drinking for okay. one, and you know that led to a whole series of other things to change. <laughs> uh-huh. But basically, kind of reframing my reframing that reward structure in my head to be uh-huh. um, to, to 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 find a sustainable way to achieve that rather than like being searching for calamity to produce it right um and you know i mean i i like where i am now for sure are people even aware of the 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 that reward process yeah i don't know it's weird being an artist because you know speaking to what you're saying you have to be fucked up enough to say things in a new way that is familiar to people to connect with but not so fucked up that you can't function. Yeah. Not so completely off the rails that you're going to alienate everybody in your social world and your family. And yeah. Yeah. I think that all artists have their demons and you have to address them, but not be consumed by them. So it's like this weird dance of like looking into yourself and finding the things that are troubling you or inspiring you or uh, making you happy even, or whatever it is that you want to say and dancing with those demons, but not marrying them. Yeah trying to be um an observer like uh you know you're a reporter instead of like an active combatant yes yes <laughs> kind of you're a war correspondent yeah exactly <laughs> yeah do you guys engineer your own stuff a lot of the time uh-huh a lot of time we do i mean if we're doing something that we know is like serious then we'll bring in an outside engineer like i feel pretty i feel pretty confident that we could work here on our own and make an album but if we know that we're making an album we'll definitely like bring somebody in to kind of take that a little bit of that pressure off because i don't really like i don't really like having to wear all the hats yeah you know because like as much i mean uh, uh, you know i sort of can't help myself though like i'll have to jump in and kind of drive yeah (laughs) because like i think that like from working on my own and making demos here like i just think that way like production is kind of a part of writing yeah absolutely you know, it's it, it's it's like um, everything that you're choosing is a response to what you've just heard, mm-hmm. and when you have the option to do crazy things that aren't, you know, like a performance, but they're effects, that sort of like opens up doors creatively to to 
to try. Oh yeah, I love it. I love like buying a new a new effect pedal or a new plugin or something and seeing what it does on a on a guitar line or on a bass line or on a vocal and going, oh shit, that's really cool. When we were recording the Untitled record, the first uh, single off of that was a song called Feeling This. And at the end, there's like this, I don't know, six part harmony with different calls and responses. And that was just totally a happy accident in the studio where we were getting to the end of the song and we were composing it and, and trying to um, trying to figure out the different sections and stuff. And our engineer accidentally automated a fade on everything but left off the vocals and so all the music faded out and the vocals were still doing this like harmony thing. And we were like, oh, that's really cool. Let's expand on that. I think that half a recording is just keeping yourself open to that happy accident, whatever it is. Uh, no, definitely. It's like your, your, your best idea, your most thought out plan for what you want to do with this thing that you, your vision is really just a, it's really just a rough outline. Yeah. If you're, if you're holding on to that too tightly, like you're you're missing out on the 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 happy accidents that could come in and and take it somewhere take it somewhere new. Mm-hmm. That's an enemy of a lot of progress for me. Especially especially with like lyric writing. <laughs> you you have you have this thing you want to do, but you you're just, you know, you'll never you'll never get close to that if you're self-censoring to try to derive toward that too tightly. Yeah. You know, so you have to kind of let in the 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 what you know is a bad line. You mm-hmm. know, like, this will never work, but I'm going to write it down anyway. Yeah. And then that leads to somewhere. And then after a while, maybe the song isn't about what you thought it was about, but it's okay because it goes to somewhere that you can connect with too on, yeah. on a different level, maybe. When you start writing a song, do you say this song is going to be about whatever, this breakup or this moment and then write a song about that? Or do you just do word salad? Sometimes uh, it's it's rare that I'll have like a fully formed thing. This is going to be about this specific thing. And then it ends up there. Right. It It's always along the journey of exploring and uh, kind of letting in, letting in some tangent things. Uh, I, I, I usually draw in things that are related to that or maybe like other experiences that produce the same sort of uh, emotional core feeling. Okay. But it's rare. It's rare. Something is about one thing and stays one thing. Here, hold on one second. I got to, I just bought, or I'm borrowing my friend's camera. That's really awesome. Oh, no. They have to put a, a limit on how much you can record video at one time. Otherwise they got to call it a camcorder and camcorder is like fanny pack. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants that. Yeah. No one really wants that. Have you ever come up with something that's like, this is this, and this is exactly this, and then you end up there, and it it, and it was that? Um, well, yeah, some songs, like uh, Damn It was like that. All the Small Things was like that. Rock Show was like that. Uh, Adam's Song was like that. And But those were all the songs that... Those are all the albums that we went in and we're like, okay, these are the songs. We just need to go into the studio and record them. Once we got into the studio and we're like, pardon me. Once we got into the studio, we were like, let's just go in and create. Then things started growing all kinds of things, growing all kinds of directions. Um, I don't know. Felt a lot more organic, a lot more fun, a lot more experimental. I don't know. I like I like recording how we record now, where you're kind of writing recording, demoing, 
but you're not really demoing because the the recording technology is so great now that you basically record keeper takes anyway. Uh, yeah. And, and we're all fortunate enough to have gear that records at studio quality. Um, so yeah, I like, I like how we write and record now. Everything feels very collaborative and cooperative and, and, uh, it's about just capturing that energy or that thought or that thing at that moment, rather than we have two hours and I need to record four songs on bass. So that's about 15 minutes for each song. And I just need to nail my parts, you know? Yeah. I, I know (laughs) that can be, that can be like pretty miserable when you're on like one stupid thing and you're having just the hardest time with the thing that you know is like really easy and just the, the shame spiral just takes you out of your game. Oh, totally. It's awful. I remember we were recording the untitled record and there's a song called Astenia and there's just one bass line and it's literally like a hammer onto the fifth fret, a hammer onto the seventh fret, and then a hammer onto the second fret. And it's super basic, so easy, and it took me hours and hours and hours to get it. And I don't know why, it was just one of those things where I was just stuck in my head and wasn't able to get it, and it was just wasting everyone's time, and it sucked. I remember it now, even whatever it is, more than 15 years later. Yeah, it's like two two uh, two rehearsal passes go by while the engineer's getting the sound. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're going for, and then you're going for a real, and those are, and those you feel like you nailed. Yeah. Then it's time to then it's time to record for real because they're not changing anything anymore. Uh huh. And then like the tape stops and the engineers or the producers like, oh, let's just try that again. Yeah. <laughs> and it starts off innocently, and then after a while it's like, well, what is he? What am I doing wrong? And then after and then after like four more takes like that, you just start doubting everything. <laughs> you start getting mad then, at the engineer and the and producer. Then, it's like when somebody tells you, you got something on your face. You got something in your face. Got it? No, you no, it's still there. <laughs> You got it? No, it's still there. Got it? No, it's still there. What? Well, what do you want me to do? I can't get it off my face. I don't know what you're talking about. I think part of a a huge part of collaboration is providing actionable feedback. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. that's like you can't you can't just say no, you didn't get it. You got to say no. It's like it's about an inch lower than your nose, and maybe try the back of your hand yeah. <laughs> instead of like this. Yeah, because <laughs> you're not. This isn't working. Yeah, I always it's, get it's, frustrated it's, when I'm cutting vocals, and I'm like. Is it timing? Is it pitch? Is it whatever? Recording and working with producers has taught me so much about like just basic kind of communication in general. Like working with producers, like they might come with a suggestion for something and you might really disagree with the suggestion. Like the song doesn't need what you're saying. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you got to stop and think about like, okay, why what's behind the suggestion maybe it needs a hook of some kind yeah maybe the maybe the part needs to be shorter maybe the dynamics aren't doing what you think they are um and there's usually a way that you can find your way to do it that isn't the producers and it's also something you would never have thought of on your own if you weren't willing to let that in yeah I love that moment when somebody suggests something you're like I don't nah I don't think so and then you do it and it's like, fuck, you're right. That's yeah. exactly what that song needed. Uh, I was actually working with a producer for a song for somebody else like two days before the quarantine started. Uh, and the producer was like, and I really appreciate it. He goes, I feel like this song needs something. And I was literally holding a guitar. And he goes, I feel like this song needs something like a lead in this area right here, in this area of the neck right here. And I go, oh, okay, cool. And I could write something like that. 
uh, or I feel like there's not enough low end in information and we kind of need to bulk up the low end. I can understand what that means, you know? And the, the, the other thing about being a producer is you have to, a producer is kind of like a psychologist or something. You have to understand what each person in a band needs to get the best performance out of them. You know, and Jerry was always like that with Blink. He knew how to get the best out of Travis, the best out of Tom, the best out of me. And it was vastly different approaches to do that. Travis needs, this is what, this is what I expect of you, or this is what this song needs of you is going maybe a little less, uh, you know, technical in this section of the song, maybe pick it up in this section of the song. Travis goes, cool, I got that. And Tom needs more time to be like experimental and, you know, grab things and look at them and try his stuff. And, and I just need like, you're ahead, you're behind, watch this, watch that, you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, so a good producer can get like the best out of everybody in the band. I don't think that just because you're an excellent musician, that means you can be a producer. No, not at all. Or an excellent engineer. No. You know, some people like it's, it's definitely its own skill. You could have no engineering chops at all. Well, maybe that's not true. You need some, you need some engineering language to communicate, yes. but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be a good producer if you're like, you know, Pro Tools certified. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, I mean, you know, there are uh, there are many virtuoso guitarists that can, you know, do double finger tap and play all kinds of technical and scales and everything, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you write a great song. That's what I tell myself because I'm a terrible guitarist. <laughs> hey, don't, don't worry about it. I don't need technique. That's true. That's true, though. Like, when I started playing guitar... I was really into like the virtuoso people mm -hmm. because, you know, I just thought of like shredding as, as like the goal. Yeah. You know, but I pretty quickly learned that I'm not going to be a player like that. <laughs> like, I'm just not like, I'm not going to be Steve. I, right. Um, I'm not going to be Joe Satriani. Are you uh, shreddy though? Can you get shreddy? No, no, not at all. No, okay. I can't get shreddy. No, like, Got it. For a minute, for a minute there, I, I bought like one of those those diamond picks with oh, like a yeah. with like a like a cone at the end of it, so I could do tremolo picking really fast because I thought like that was cool. Uh huh. I mean, it's cool. I'm not dissing anybody who's dedicated themselves to you know sixty fourth note sweeps, right? But I'm just not going to be that kind of a player. You know, I just don't. I I just don't. You know, so right. it's like I accepted that, and then I started thinking about like. What can I do? <laughs> and then I just got real. I just really started focusing on like, you know, s like simpler kind of things like trying to chase that was much more rewarding than trying to chase, um, you know, shredding. Yeah. It would be it would be pretty rad to shred, though. It'd be really cool if just during one of your sets, you just did the gnarliest shreddy guitar solo and then went right back into a song like nothing else happened. <laughs> <laughs> you know that would be kind of cool maybe i got maybe i have a whole lot of time now i can i can you know work that in i feel like as artists and as musicians we're kind of used to this kind of life where you're in this microcosmos bubble i mean even when you're on tour with you know however many people are on your crew and stay, like a, a tour is really like this traveling little bubble and when you're in a studio you're obviously you know locked in a room so i feel like we are better prepared for this long period but just not being able to do anything. Not that I would normally, but it's just, it's awful. It sucks. I hate this whole thing. I hate it all. 
<laughs> I hate it for everybody. I mean, it's, you know, and, and I'm the fucking luckiest dude in the world that, you know, touch wood, I'm healthy and with my family and we're safe and, you know, we're not wanting for not worrying about where our next meal is going to come from. So I, you know, it's fucking terrible. It's awful. I hate it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, my problems aren't problems. Yeah. And, but like the, the worst for me is an inconvenience that I can't go somewhere and have somebody make me a coffee. So I'm pretty fucking lucky and pretty, pretty, uh, pretty okay. I think you have to look at the opportunities instead of like the, what's been taken away. Otherwise yeah. you're going to go insane. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. This whole thing has sort of accelerated a trend that's been building up anyway. In that, um, if your creative project doesn't have some kind of video element, it's almost like it doesn't exist. Right. Cause like, you know, when was the last time you shared a music link, like a SoundCloud compared to like, compared to something that had a video element to it, even if it's yeah, like true. a lyric video for something, yeah, you're way more likely to say, Hey man, check this out to your friends that you might think like it than like a SoundCloud link. Yeah. True. Trying to, uh, and that's kind of another reason I wanted to do this is sort of brush up on video chops because I don't, <laughs> I, I don't really know much about it. So what could, you know, Try to do that. Another, a whole nother way to be creative. Yeah, my it's son, whole... um, my son's graduating high school this month, and the school asked me if I would, uh, they, you know, because they can't have a normal graduation, they can't have a grad night, they can't have a prom, they can't have the thing at school where they all jump into the pool at the at the end of the last day of school. So they asked me to perform a song. So I recorded it here in the studio with video and was trying to edit multiple like angles and things like that. I mean, it's, it sucked by video editing, just <laughs> like, it's terrible. And it's really just like, you know, my wife holding a phone and then my iPad sat on the desk filming from a different angle. Uh, but yeah, you, you really, res you know, gain even more respect for the people who are good at what they do as far as editing and, you know, lighting and camera work and, and all the stuff. Because when people have to do it themselves, it just looks really homemade. I can see, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely does. Like, you think um, you think it's not going to be that hard. <laughs> yeah. It's it's <laughs> because, iMovie. It's an Apple thing. You just drag the thing, and you drag the thing, and it's all good. Nah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because the people that are good at it make it look real easy. That's the, totally. that's the, that's the thing. And then you, you dive into it, and you go, oh, wait a minute, dude. This, this doesn't look like that. I know. Why doesn't this look like that? Have you gained any new skills during quarantine? Have you, like, I don't know, pushed your... <laughs> uh, did you Was write that, the great American novel? Did you write King Lear? You know, I, I've done a bunch of stuff basically to avoid writing lyrics for things. Okay. That's kind of like, that's kind of how all my other hobbies come into being is because I'm stuck <laughs> on something and I'm trying to get the, the music thing jump started by diving into like making sourdough from scratch, mm -hmm. <laughs> which I've kind of cracked the code on. I got to say, so really? that's, that's, that's sort of fun. Yeah. Even even my kids are into what I'm making, so that's 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 a good thing. Did your kids take to take to anything musical? Did you not like not at all? My son loves music. He um he you know he listens to all different kinds of music. He is really into he loves video games. I mean, it's really like what he loves in the world and what he wants to do when he goes to college is study 
technology where it intersects medicine and music. See, that's rad. That's really yeah. cool. Uh, it's like I, I made my kids take piano lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I thought like, this is what I did. You're going to do this too. But then, but then, you know, like there's a point where it's got to be their idea. Yeah. It's like, it's not going to stick unless it's their idea. Like, it, all right, you got to have a thing. Doesn't have to be my thing, but you got to get a thing. Right. Maybe, maybe later in life you come back to it. That's okay. Yeah, totally. You know? With our son, we are always like, we're going to put all these different opportunities in front of you. And you, whatever you latch onto, wherever you enjoy is what, what we will support. I think it takes, it definitely takes a certain, a certain type of person to, to really dive into the music thing. Mm-hmm. You have to get that. You have to um, have that reward in your head of, of, of uh, incremental progress. Yeah. You know, like some kids, some kids will just go shoot free throws by themselves for two hours. It really takes like that mentality of um, I am cool with, you know, the, 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 the two hour training run where no one's clapping. Yeah. Because, because like to get to the place that is the, the half marathon or marathon or whatever. That's the hardest part for me. Like I, you know, for me personally, I want to become a painter. I wish that I knew how to paint and I just can't get over that first whatever it is 9999 hours before i'm good <laughs> at it you know man visual arts like painting or, or some or drawing even like a i feel like just such a fraud yeah anytime i try to do that it's like ugh. i would love to i used to work at an art supply store oh really when when the band was when the band was like still like not doing much uh-huh. and uh so i was around that world like i did photography growing up but um, you know, like the painting, sketching, like that's just like a that's like a black magic to me. Totally, that could summon the the powers and and harness it in your hand and create something realistic that way. Yeah, I can't but do I, that. I mean, I'm 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 definitely I have respect for people who do that because I've tried it and I suck. You ever had somebody come to you at like a meet and greet and say like, "Will you draw something for me to get tattooed?" Uh not draw something, but definitely write like lyrics. Oh yeah, that too. But I've had people come up and say like, will you draw something? And I'll be like, I, I suck at drawing. I'll be like, I don't care. What do you want me to draw? Uh, can you draw a slice of pizza? And it's like a fucking triangle with a rough you know, arc on one side with some circles for pepperoni. And people have gotten that tattooed. I'm like, man, I wish I was good at this. So you wouldn't have to be ashamed of my drawing for the rest of your life. My handwriting looks like a serial killer. <laughs> for for real, I'm not kidding. And I you remember, should put a little like whatever that symbol for the zodiac was at the end of the lyrics. It's not far off from that, but like I've I, I've told this to people, like, will you write this line from like 23? I'm gonna get it tattooed on my arm. I'm like, dude, my handwriting is horrible. Right. You do not want no. I seriously, <laughs> I, I don't care. It's my favorite song. I'm like, no, it's really bad. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. So like, all right, I, I write it and then I hand it to them. They look at it for a second. They don't say anything. Show me a horrible. piece of paper in your studio with a handwriting on it. Um, well, I mean, it's like, uh, like that kind of, oh, not bad. Just, I don't know. It's, that's not bad. I'll show you mine. You can, we can, we can compare. I'll show you. I was writing lyrics for something. 
Here's me. Oh, that's not bad. <laughs> you are your own worst critic always, I guess. Nah, it's always the uh, it's always the comments on Twitter that are the worst critics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the comments on Twitter will one up your 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 uh, anything you could say to yourself. That's totally. Sure. I look at Twitter. I'm like, you're fucking right, buddy. You <laughs> nailed that one. It's it's even more it's even more uh, important with with how with the the communication between fans and and you to be proud of what you're doing mm-hmm. before you put it out there because. Some people are really going to not like what you do. Yeah. Or they they might not, they might not even care what you do, but like they feel important by by demeaning it. And it's not just you. It's it's you know like anything that they've kind of woken up and decided that they're going to be a victim. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I everybody mean, else around them is going to pay for that. You, know, but I mean, you can't like, live in the you can't live in the Twitter comment section for sure. And we always our whole thing is that we've always done music that we love. That means something to us, and that's always served us the best. Rather than trying to be like, okay, what do people think a Blink One Eighty Two song should sound like? Let's write a Blink One Eighty Two song. Um, we just write music, and by definition, that's a Blink One Eighty Two song. And if we like it, then that means it's a Blink song, and and we just go from there. I've always thought that the um, when when you feel like you have a pretty firm grasp on your your identity, it's then you're not doing enough to push yourself. I don't think I've written a Jimmy World song since like 97. <laughs> Everything cuz like once you start doing that then you you like I said before you start limiting what you limit what it can be and you you limit yourself. Right. Like I think if you're if you're not laughing a little bit you're not you're not ready. It's not mm-hmm. a good idea. Like if you're not like kind of like struggling a little bit with like is this me? Yeah. I <laughs> Then, then you're not on the right track. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> incremental improvement. Yeah, incremental improvement. Because if you're not like, what's the point? Like, the worst thing you can do, I think, is is um, worse than making something that sucks and throwing it away is making something that's like, yep, that's us. That's exactly what we do. And putting yeah, that like, out. Because then, I mean, you have that already. Mm-hmm. Yes. So what's what's next for you, man? Just kind of working on material? Um, I was working on a new song with John Feldman last week that I'll probably be working on after I get off with you here in a minute. We've been using, actually, uh, Pro Tools Collaborate. Where oh, he really? Can op- he, yeah, he opens it up in his studio. I can open it up in my studio. And then we get on, like, a FaceTime call. And, you know, I got my, I got my microphone here that I can sing into and I got my bass and my guitars and stuff and I'll record it in and you know three seconds later it pops up on his session in uh at his studio and then uh so the other day I was I tracked bass I tracked you know six different uh vocal options and then he can sit there and comp things together and work on stuff and okay well you didn't we, we still don't have the second half of the first chorus so I want you to go back and re-sing that so it's actually been able to work pretty much like it's in the studio, but be, you know, 50 minutes away from each other. That's cool. I had no idea that that was a, an option. We, you know, I think that it's been around for a long time. It's the first time we tried to use it and none, neither of us know exactly what we're doing. So there've been times where I would do like 
five takes of a verse and I would go to like send it to him and something, there would be a conflicting uh, sync issue. And so it would like delete the five takes that I just did. So I would just have no, to sing it. No, Yeah, it's not, I mean, I'm sure that it's great. We just haven't figured out how it works exactly yet. It's it's funny when when you think, when you realize you're kind of on, like you, we are the demographic for this thing. Yeah. You know? And we're, there's no, no one's telling us what we're supposed to do. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> and it's just kind of like when you realize you're sort of out on the, it's kind of exciting, you know, like, wait a minute, no, wait, who's doing this right now? Like you, I always think there's somebody smarter who know who's got this down. Yeah. And there are, I think there are the, smart people who know what they're doing and how to make it work. I'm just not I, one of those people. I think those are the shredder people though. Totally. <laughs> That's it. Like, and I'm so in awe. Like, I mean. Being a great engineer, especially on Pro Tools, is such an art. Like to, you know, to edit and to be able to know all the shortcuts and be doing this and and have your keystrokes and shortcuts memorized and not even have to look at the keyboard and have your mouse all set up. Uh, it's incredible. And it's something that, you know, I, I'm such a Luddite. I'm like, okay, do I record enable this track? Okay, there's the thing. Okay, that's good to go. What it takes push? Me- Where's my grid? Yeah. What I push? Where's the grid? Totally. Um, <laughs> I hate that so, one. So yeah, I have a lot to learn about engineering, but uh, but I'm getting better. I mean, I you know, it's the ten thousand hours thing again. I'm really fortunate. Like watching Trombino work, like really taught me like what's possible. Because I would see him. He he even in like '99, he was that guy that was just like and like then it happens. Yeah. And then I, I just had to figure out what the what the path of that was. Yeah, you guys were really the first, and Trombino was one of the first to really like integrate Pro Tools into recording of like emo kind of punk rock rock music. You, you know, we were working with Jerry Finn, and he was still really adamant about all analog, everything to tape, everything to whatever. And you guys were recording like Goodbye Sky Harbor. And going off on 16-minute electronic, like, weird, you know? And that was really groundbreaking. That, like, that fucking blew my mind when I heard that. So, I mean, you guys were on the very forefront of that. So it makes sense that uh, that Chombino would be so good at it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of the Wild West out there. I like it. I like how ubiquitous recording equipment is. And I like how easy it is for a kid in a garage to have a laptop and open garage band and make kick-ass music and not have that barrier of like, Oh, you want to record something? Well, it's going to cost you five grand and you're going to have three days in the studio. <laughs> when now you can, you know, buy a, a laptop and, and have pretty much everything you need to get some good recordings going. Yeah. If you can imagine it, you can get really close to hearing your idea with, with oh, yeah. only, a, with only a minimal amount of technical experience. Totally. I'm, uh, I'll be curious to see what comes out of this whole time where people are sort of like locked in their rooms with uh, with the creative things. Mm-hmm. If you can uh, if you can get past, if you can get yourself into a healthy kind of mental space to create something, I think there's going to be a lot of good work. Absolutely. Well, hey, thank you so much for hanging out and, and yeah, nice and talking to you always. Mark. Totally. Stay safe, and hopefully, we'll see you very soon. And once again, thanks a lot to Mark Hoppus for hanging out with me and chatting. I hope you guys like that. I guess this would be the part where I would plug something that Mark's got going on. But if you have this, you also have 
the internet <laughs> and you can probably figure out for yourself what he's up to and I'll see you again soon. This is the part where I walk out of frame. <laughs>